0: he goes are you nervous and i go ah, a little bit and he goes well get ready you're about ready to be a lot more nervous he goes take a look out there he's throwing 98 right now <laughs> and he's he looked in at me and you know it's look one down of those, on you yeah it looked just one of those feelings to where you just for those of you who don't know
1: randy johnson six eleven.
0: yeah he's almost seven foot he's a giant yeah he's huge it looked like when he threw he was reaching in our dugout to get a glass of water it was
1: crazy Hey, Welcome back uh, to your genius zone podcast This is Monty Hobson and I've got with me uh, my genius for today Matt Sapicki. Matt how you doing brother I'm doing great I'm doing great thank you for having me and uh, it's a real privilege to have this guy because I get an opportunity to do some coaching with him and we just had our second you know time together and it's been uh, fun so far oh absolutely each time gets better than the last so, uh, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm doing is highlighting a genius each week, and Matt is a genius in the area of, what I would call, haha, his sweet spot of baseball, because he is a hitting coach uh, for the Viani team, but that's because he came from uh, the major leagues. He's a guy who's played a nine-year career Somewhere between the Montreal Expos and the Florida Marlins, I guess now Miami Marlins. Yeah. In between there, the Washington Nationals and uh, Orioles and the Orioles. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's been in a lot of different organizations, had a lot of different experiences through the baseball thing, and now is transitioning from uh, Major League Baseball to uh, successful business that that. Um, had some bumps along the way there we won't get into that all that but real life yeah real life (laughs) Um, but definitely uh, lots of lessons learned there too that were incredibly valuable because you applied the same principles of baseball to your business and did really well and then now moving into uh, kind of a speaking career uh, getting in front of a lot of folks to talk about your story but also to talk about their story and how their story Um, can be better uh, than than even yours was because you've got foresight to help them along. Yes. So, um, but then amidst that, having the number one team in a St. Louis area baseball team, right? Yes. Um, And and, uh, what is your collective team batting average at Vianney? Um, You know,
0: I don't, I hate looking at the numbers. I just, you know, when we're at practice... You know, I I watch the guys as they progress and make sure that they're hitting the ball hard.
1: Um, You know, and in the games, if we're winning, I know I'm doing my job. And you're winning. And we're winning. That's a good thing. That's a really good thing. Uh, I told Matt this story the other day when I told him, you know, we were going to do this. I said, you know, I was at church. I was at the uh, Crossing Church and I walked in and I saw some friends. and. Went over and said hi. They had their son with them, who's a high schooler at uh, Lindbergh or Kirkwood. I can't remember which one. But um, they said, uh, yeah, you know, so-and-so's a pitcher. And I said, oh, you're pitching. And he said, yeah. I said, my friend's a hitting coach at at Vianney. He said, oh. (laughs) 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 And the guy said uh, that he had just played you, had been the pitcher. And he said he was out in the first inning because they, you know, Kept hitting him and couldn't get it anywhere, you know, with with his fastballs, curveball, any of them. Mm-hmm. And so um, I said, "So, uh, so I take it that you think the hitting coach is probably doing a pretty good job." and He's like, "Those guys aren't human."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're doing. They're all doing very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I well, just a side note here, but um, you know, Matt is obviously. Um, an expert at what he does. He's he's an, a masterful hitter himself, obviously, in, in his career, but he is also one who can truly help you if you're a hitting type person. Um, I know that there are some of you who will be listening to this who might have a kid who's in high school, middle school, uh, but even some of you who might be listening to this who are in the big leagues or in the um, uh, you know system, mm-hmm. and you might want some help. Well, guess what? You got a great hitting coach in St. Louis that's at your disposal of course um, uh, you know he he certainly charges what he's worth but uh, I just want you to know that uh, if you need to get in touch with him I'll have his information uh, available on all the platforms where you can find this podcast so please you know after you've listened reach out to him he would love to uh, know uh, how he can help you and um, you know he's had tremendous success Uh, as a hitter but he's he's even better as a coach so I can verify that from the numbers I was trying to get you to brag about but well just (laughs) go online and you can go to the St. Louis Post's patch and see what Vianney's hitting Uh, also they're ranking nationwide Um, it's pretty amazing
0: yeah I think right now we're um, uh, you know there's a bunch of different high school polls out there Um, last time I checked I think USA Today had a set Five in the nation, and you know, we're four on another one, and seventh on a different poll. So, just to be in the top 25 is, you know, quite an accomplishment. And, you know, to put it in perspective, I thought of all the high schools alone in the Missouri area, you know, and then to put that, you know, even higher to be in the nation, that's just crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, if if you haven't ever joined us on the Genius Zone podcast, your Genius Zone podcast, really. Our goal of this podcast is um, to have a genius on every week who's really good at something, but then to tie that zone into every other genius's zone and to sort of apply that principle of when you find what you're really good at, what are the common things that, um, that happen in each person's story that can give other people who are listening to this a tip about how to find their genius zone. So some of that is like, you know, some people would say, you know, um, well, I can't hit a baseball, so then I'm not a genius. Well, that's not actually true. The actual thing is that we're all made with a certain set of wiring that gives us an advantage in our life that um, is really there to serve other people. You know, now Matt is doing exactly what he did for you know 20 years with a high school baseball team. Now that might not seem significant, but the truth is what do major league baseball players do after they leave baseball? Right. Right. Most of them are either in the broadcasting booth or maybe if they're lucky, you know on ESPN Um, But a lot of them go to coaching a lot of them go to coaching Mm -hmm. in every level and uh, you may do it a different level one day than, than what it is now but here it is that you're showing your expertise in hitting through a team, which right. is just an interesting, it's an interesting uh, parallel. How is it different to hit a baseball than it is to coach someone to hit a baseball?
0: Well, i you just, you, you know, you take what worked, what worked for you in the past and try to pass that along as best as you can. You know, each player is different. You know, each hitting style is different. Um, You know, I compare, um, you know, hitting to fingerprints. Everybody has one, you know, but they're all different. Um, Right. You know, you you told
1: me everyone has their own swing.
0: Yes, everybody's swing is different. Um, You know, but when you're hitting a baseball, you know, we all get to the same spot. And to use your mechanics in the correct way, you know, I think there's so many different, so many different angles to hitting that a lot of times people make it a lot more difficult than it is. And now I'm not taking anything away from how difficult hitting a baseball is, but to um, be prepared
1: as best as you can is a lot easier than people think. Okay, so take me through some of that because some of that comes from your experience, um, but you've probably now kind of gone from what it felt like to hit the baseball to watching someone do it from the outside in right Mm -hmm. and that's a little different how do you translate what it felt like to get that person to you know it's their swing right but now you're getting them to hit the ball the way that you would hit the ball
0: well playing as many years as i did i had numerous hitting coaches um and i try to take um you know all the good things i gained from each coach and try to you know pass that on to younger guys that i coach now um you know because what worked for me may not work for another kid okay So, so
1: one of your managers was robinson right frank robinson yes okay great great hitter hall of fame okay what's one of what's one of the principles that you pass on to people from frank Um, Frank
0: was uh, huge on using your lower half um, for power Um, Frank is you know he's a tall guy um, but he's not you know big by any stretch of the means he seats you know he's very skinny (laughs) Um, but he used every ounce of his lower half to hit the ball and he used to hit it very hard Um, and he trans, you know his big thing was using your lower half to power the baseball.
1: So when you're talking with your kids, every time you're going there, you're thinking about Frank Robinson.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I think about Frank Robinson, um, you know, Frank Cacciatore, who's a hitting coach I had in single A and double A. Um, Keith Gutton, who was my coach down at Southwest Missouri State. Um, you know, and you know, like I said, there's, I've had numerous hitting coaches, um, But, you know, they all meant well, but I'm not saying that all of them were good. Um, But the few that I take, you know, the tidbits from were very good at at coaching.
1: Right, right. Um, You're kind of hinting at something that I think is important for people who might be listening for their genius zone. uh, That your genius zone develops from multiple input in your life. In other words, lots of people pouring their wisdom into you. Right. And over time, that becomes yours. It's your, we're calling it your genius zone because it was. You, that's what you did. You hit well. But you didn't hit well on accident. You had a whole lot of people pouring into you. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that, that these kids have the privilege of now is your insight. But it's really not just you.
0: No, no, not not at all everything that I teach, you know, I got from somebody and I'm sure they got from somebody else. And I think, um, that's why, you know, kids are becoming so good at, you know, at any sport or at any level, um, earlier on in their so-called careers because, um, they're learning, um, the skills that I may have learned, you know, when I was in the big leagues and these kids are learning it at, you know, eight, nine, ten years old now, um, and they get to, you know, work on that um, at such an early age. Um, you know that all the bad things that they might have learned, you know, in the future for their swing, they're learning the correct way now. So it, it helps them. It helps them out by becoming a better hitter now, and it also helps them by not having to go through, you know. The so-called slumps. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um, when you're in your genius zone, uh, there is this thing about you that you know it, right? Like you knew, not, I'm not talking about bragging about this, but you knew you were a better hitter than most guys in, even in college, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, um, I just, I always, you know, I, I could always hit a baseball, you know, ever since I've been in diapers. I know my mom would always tell me, Stories about me running around with one of those big old Fred Flintstone bats and and, uh, wanting to always hit, and I just I I've always you know progressed and succeeded you know whenever I had a bat in my hands, and um, I'm not saying it was easy you know it didn't come easy it came with a lot of work but I wouldn't even call it work I just enjoyed it so much and I think that's why I became such a good hitter is because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love practicing and I loved going out there and and putting in the extra work because it wasn't work to me.
1: So when you find something you're good at and it's not work, there's a, a, a hint that that is the place. That's right. the sweet spot. Yeah. So what yeah. Were, you, were you? Were you like invincible in uh, um, the, the, the grade school leagues? I mean, could, could you just basically hit every time you were up?
0: I wouldn't say every time, but for the majority, when I was younger, yeah, it was, it was a lot of
1: fun, let like put it that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember, like, very young being a soccer player, you know, and I could, I could score at will kind of thing because everybody would be in that little pack, and I'd be like, why is everybody in that little pack? Just give me the ball, just dribble it into the goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, was it a little bit like that as a hitter? I mean, you just you knew that you were going to get something to hit and you were going to do what you wanted to hit? whatever you wanted to hit. Yeah, I
0: think with, you know, um, any sport that you play, if you believe that you're better than your opponent, I think you're going to come out, um, come out of that, that situation, um, you know, the winner, if if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, do you remember your first home run?
0: Yes, I do. It was at Afton Athletic Association. And um, I think I was, uh, I know it was on field, the, the field one, I believe right there next to the ice rink. And, um, my first home run, I hit it on top of the ice rink. So <laughs> it was, I think I was, um, I think seven years old, six or seven years old.
1: Wow. Yeah. Where are you? You were lefty, right? Yes. I throw right and hit left. Isn't that crazy? So, so did you drive it or did you go opposite field? No, I pulled it. Uh huh. I pulled it. Yeah. And. You knew it, like you hit it, and it was like yes. Yeah, I knew it,
0: um, and everybody else did too, I guess. Was <laughs> was it
1: kind of one of those things where a kid like that size shouldn't be able to hit that far?
0: Yeah, they, um, you know, all the all the parents. I know my mom told me. I don't remember this, but all the parents were trying to check and see if I was really six or seven years old. They <laughs> thought I <was> right
1: <laughs> so you know you've hit your genius zone, folks, when everybody thinks that you are. Uh, playing by some advantage they don't have. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is <laughs> this kid on steroids? This can't be the case. Yeah, yeah, steroids at
1: seven years old. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so um, you you were a contact hitter, um, but you had some power. Yeah. Was your strategy to try to hit it out of the park every time, or was it more, hey, I want, I want to get the best at bat every time?
0: No, I, you can't go up to um, home plate. And and I don't think there's ever been a time to where I went up to home plate trying to hit a home run where I did. Um, home runs are, you know, by accident. Um, you know, you go up there and you, you put the best swing on the ball you can and try to put the barrel on the baseball. And wherever it goes, it goes. You know, sometimes you can hit it the best You can hit it, and it goes right in somebody's glove. That's just the way it happens. You know, that's why they have guys out there fielding their position. Um, But, you know, you can go up there and put forth your best effort. And, you know, I did that, and I, you know, put the ball in the barrel a lot of times.
1: Yeah. What was one of your best batting averages in college? Uh, You you were the MVP your junior year.
0: My junior year, I made... um, You know, I was player of the year in the Missouri Valley Conference. Um, I was first team All-American in all three um, All-American polls. Um, I won the uh, triple crown in the Missouri Valley that year, uh, which is, I believe it's still, that record is still holding. So I think my average that year was... Um, 4, 420, I think I hit 420. How many here. at bats? Uh It was, well, we couple hundred? 60 66 games, I believe. So
1: 100 some it's 100 plus.:
0: Oh, it was um, I think it was more along the lines of it was over 200 at bats. Oh my gosh. Yeah,
1: that's insane. So basically 42% of the time uh y- you know basically almost 50% which is mm, it's unheard of in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh you were you were kind of getting up to bat going I'm going to get two out of four of these at bats.
0: Yeah, I mean that's I just I, I think the reason I did so well in college is because you know, I I I didn't think about numbers.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, I just went up and I knew I had prepared as best as I could. Um, I was very confident, and you know, if I if I thought about numbers, you know, it, it would take over too much, and you can't think while you're up there hitting. You just have to do it. You know, it's all muscle memory stuff, and you know, going up there and and just having fun and and putting my best effort forward is is what helped me accomplish what I did.
1: You know, I, I, I love that because what you're basically saying is if you have to think too hard about it, it doesn't mean you didn't prepare by the way, but if you have to think too hard about it when you're there, it might not be your genius. though.
0: yeah, it just, it, it happens so fast and you know, um, I don't care what pitcher you're facing, you know, they're throwing a base a round baseball at you and you have to hit that round baseball with a round bat, you know? Um, And there's not too much thinking that can happen between the time that that ball leaves that pitcher's hand to where it reaches you, to where you can put the bat on it.
1: Yeah, and and you hear about this uh, with hitters. Um, You hear about, like, I remember a guy named Chuck Knobloch, who, you know, was a world-class hitter at the big league level, Uh but somewhere along the line started thinking too much. Mm -hmm. And he stopped. He he went from being a, I think he won a batting title maybe even, went from, you know, a 300-plus hitter to not being able to hit the baseball at all.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely, um, you know, I hate saying this, and it sounds so negative, but baseball is a game of failure. Um, you know, as a hitter, you succeed. If you're at the major league level and you succeed three out of ten times, you're considered an all-star. So that means that you're going to have to fail seven times. And I don't know of any other job or sport the way you can fail that many times
1: and being considered good. <laughs> I hope people are paying attention to that, right? Because actually, I think it's more true. When we think of genius, um, you know, it sounds like I'm, I'm blowing smoke up someone's butt, but the honest truth is um, every genius has failed multiple times. We, we know the story of Edison, Edison, the light bulb, you know, 10,000 failures right, mm-hmm. before he, he finally struck electricity, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not geniuses because... We got we, it on the first try. Right. <laughs> we're <laughs> infallible. Yeah. You know, the, the genius of it is that you know what you're good at, you know what it feels like to be good at it, hit that baseball, you know, at, at six years old, seven years old, and everybody's going, whoa, that's abnormal, mm-hmm. or that's something special. And when, when you get that feedback like that, you have to follow it out.
0: Right. I mean, but, you have to definitely fail way more times than you succeed, you know, and be able to um, almost have a short-term memory. I think that's one of the reasons I was so good, too, because uh-huh. my memory wasn't too good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you, you had enough memory to know that people weren't um, telling you something just to get you to hear it. They, they really believed you were a great hitter.
0: Yes, yeah, I'd, I mean, um, you know, you have enough people around you that have been game, around the game as long as they have, and tell you the things that they were telling me, and, and, you know, I knew I was doing good, you know, but I was having fun while I was doing it, and I think that's um, a big reason that I was doing as well as I did.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, you have to have fun at what you're doing in order to be able to succeed at it.
1: Wow. I think that's everything right there. If you enjoy what you're doing, the failure doesn't bother you. Yeah. And it, 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 it
0: does. I mean, it, it'll bother you to a certain extent, but it'll bother you to push you, push you to work harder. Right. You know, if you're not enjoying yourself, you're not going to want to fail at something and then continue to fail at it. If you're not, you know, seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that, you know, this is going to happen, this, you know, I am going to succeed.
1: Yeah, it's very much um you know, a kind of a mystical thing because you know you're not where you want to be yet, but the process is so much fun that you you, you know the pro- you know that the end is inevitable. Like right. you're going to be a special hitter and, mm-hmm. and 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 for you, that was you always had your eyes on the big leagues.
0: Yeah. That was my ultimate goal. Um You know, my father passed away when I was very young. I think I was five years old. Um, He was a huge baseball fan. He actually played for the St. Louis Browns. Um, Got to play with them for a year um, before he blew out his knee. And my grandfather was very old school and said, "There's no money in baseball, and you're going to go work at the brewery." So that's what my dad did. But. Um, I was the youngest of four boys and his dream was for one of us to make it to the big leagues. And, you know, that definitely pushed me and, um, you know, even though he was gone, you know, I still knew that he was still with me in in spirit and I wanted to make that dream come true for him.
1: And how old were you said when, when he passed five?
0: Wow. Five years old. Yeah.
1: So do you remember connecting that first home run to him in any way?
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know, being a little kid and and you know, being a little boy and and being out there on the baseball field, you know, it's 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 a father and son moment. You know, I mean, how many dads or coaches you know are definitely fans? And um, you know, when I was out there, you know, my mom was my number one fan. You know, but she was you know also played the role as my dad. Um, but seeing all the other kids with their dads and, and me being out there and missing mine, you know, definitely made me feel good about, you know, every time I do something good on that baseball field, um, always made me think of him.
1: Like he was with you.
0: Yeah. Like he was enjoying it too.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean, it, it's obviously we, we haven't prepped this, but, um, I feel like one of the things I'm learning as I listen to you about that zone of genius is there really are different elements, you know, to why a person succeeds at something so well. And what we appear, what, what appears to us to be an effortless thing actually is all these different pieces of your story that that built you to be the success that you are. Right. And one of those is even a tragedy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Failures, tragedies, you know, it's, it's, um, I believe it's the bad things that happen to us, you know, um, as long as we learn from them and try to, you know, make it the best outcome possible. I think that's what mold us into the person that we are.
1: It becomes your inspiration in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, 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 to basically silence the voice of the naysayers to, to basically say, Dad, you know, I know you're still watching in some way, somewhere, somehow. Mm -hmm. And, um, this, this is part of the purpose of why I do what I do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You have, you know, to be motivated, you know, and, and, you know, if you're out there by yourself succeeding at something, you don't have anybody telling you that you're doing a good job, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, pointless. You know, but to go out there and and have a goal and and be working towards something and have other people appreciate it makes you feel pretty good.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, and and it sounds like was internal because you you had now this narrative of I want to make my dad proud.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, there's moments to where I I could have sworn he was standing right next to me. I remember being. You know, I got my first major league start at Busch Stadium. And, you know, that was another dream of his. Is what to year be was able to. That was in, uh, when I got called up in 2002. Wow. Yep. Was that the first game? That was my first major league start was at Busch wow. Stadium. Montreal was playing Cardinals. Okay. So I remember during the national anthem, I could have sworn he was standing next to me. It was pretty cool. And what had, were
1: the chances that a Canadian major league team that you finally got called up to, was going to be playing in St. Louis on the first start.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had played a few games before that, um, you know, in Montreal. But our first road trip when I got called up was to St. Louis, and that's where I got my first start.
1: So you had to feel like this was just this yeah. was where you were meant to be. I got
0: my first start at Busch Stadium, and I got my first Major League hit at Busch Stadium.
1: Who'd you hit against?
0: Jason Simon was my first Major League hit.
1: How about that? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Wow. What inning? Third? Second?
0: Uh, No, it was, um, I think it was the third inning, yeah.
1: Yeah? So it was your second at bat? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. You must have been, like, hungry for that hit.
0: Yeah, it was a broken bat duck fart, like they call in <laughs> baseball. But um, I'll never forget, because um, my mom had recorded um, Mike Shannon, talking about me on the radio. And, you know, he's like, that'll look like a line drive and then papers tomorrow, you know. And to me, it was just, it was awesome. You know, my first three at-bats were off, two of them were off of Hall of Famers, you know. Um, my first at-bat was off of Randy Johnson, and um, who I hit left-handed. And for all the, all you who know who Randy Johnson is, is a sidearm lefty who throws about 150, it seems like. And, yeah, there,
1: there are people, I mean, there's the famous game, the All-Star game, when he's he's throwing against... Uh,
0: Kurt Sch- or um, not Kurt Schilling, it was... Um,
1: Guy from uh, the Phillies? Yeah, John Kruk. John Kruk. And he, Kruk just walks away, just says, you know... Yeah, he went up there with I, his I helmet know. on backwards. Yeah. Just w- wouldn't even stand in the batter's box.
0: No, no. And uh, that too, I was fortunate enough to get my first at bat off of. So what happened?
1: Tell us about the at- bat?
0: I actually struck out like the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> Did but you I get had a any foul balls? I, no, I had eleven I had an eleven pitch at bat, wow. and it was the first time I'd ever gotten a high five for striking out by teammates and my coach in my entire career because it was you know. Randy Johnson. Because it was Randy Johnson and that I had 11 pitches. You know, I, I, I battled. Of course, he won, but...
1: So was it a 3-2 count and you went down on, on, on strikes? Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. 3-2 or 2-2, I can't remember. Did you ever get
1: another chance at him?
0: No, no. Thank God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> was it the most frightening thing that you've ever encountered? Because, first of all, you, you actually, the, the story goes, I think, told me that, that you went from double A to the big leagues on that day.
0: Yes, yes. I got um, called up. I was at Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, playing for um, the Senators. And we were playing against the AA affiliate of the Tigers, which was in Erie. And I got called in the office that day. We were having a day game. And they told me that I wasn't going to dress out. And I thought I was in trouble for something. And they told me, you're not in trouble, but you're going to go up and face Randy Johnson tonight. And, you know, being called up from double A, you know, you're, you know, you're a young whippersnapper, so to speak. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a jolt, you know, to be on that plane and get to ride first class. That was my first time riding first class, by the way, you know, and, um, you know, going to the big league clubhouse in Montreal at the big O and, um. You know, I got into the clubhouse, and, the uh, you know, the clubby, you know, came up and said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just, you know, sitting here waiting for the game to be over because it was close to being over. Every time I got to the stadium, it was already in the seventh inning. And he goes, get your butt dressed and get out there. So I did, and I ran out to the dugout, and, you know, I, I walked by Frank Robinson, who was my manager, and, you know, I said, hello, and thank you. And he's like, get down to the end of the dugout, rookie. You know, so I was just uh, another one of the guys, but the rookie on the team and grabbed a bag of sunflower seeds and went to take my seat. And Wendell Kim, our bench coach, said, don't sit down too much. He goes, you're going into right field for Vladimir Guerrero. So I went into right field and
1: another Hall of Famer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that. Right there, when I got to right field and I just looked around me, that was it was surreal. It
1: was and this is so, so you literally go from thinking you're not even gonna get get dressed to what seventh, eighth inning. Yeah, it was
0: the eighth inning. Wendell Kim, who was our bench coach, told me that, um, he goes, You're probably not gonna hit because Randy's throwing a complete game so far. And, um, you know, he goes, But you know, you're gonna go into right for Vladdy and you're up fifth. You know, so went into right field, got through the inning. Of course, the first ball was hit to me, and I, you know, about crapped my pants. But <laughs> Did you
1: track flag it down?
0: Yeah, it was a ground ball. It was actually a line drive, and I got it, and it was fine. Um, and, I didn't, and I didn't it mess like, that up. Oh, yeah,
1: do that all the time. Yeah, yeah,
0: I tried to look cool with it, but probably didn't look very good. But uh, no errors, got the ball in, and made it through that inning, and came in, and you know, there was a part of me that wanted to hit really bad, and then there was another part of me, the the realistic part, that looked out there and saw Randy Johnson throwing and thinking.
1: And and he's working on just, a complete game. So I was just if, facing Joe know, if Schmo. You're not and a baseball it. fan. Complete game, hardest thing for a pitcher to do.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, pretty much the hardest. You know, other than a no hitter, you know, to throw a complete game. But it
1: is a no hitter, plus. Right? No,
0: a complete game is a complete game is throwing all nine innings. And, oh, okay. Okay, and so perfect game is game. different. Sorry.
1: Yeah, Sorry. perfect
0: perfect game is no runs, no hits, um, no walks.
1: And then there's the no hitter. And then there's the no hitter. Complete the game is look nine innings.
0: Yeah, nine innings. I think the score was, um, we had I think it was like uh, three to two. We were losing. Uh, first guy gets up from you know. Um, gets out so there's one out next guy gets up gets a walk so (laughs) i'm starting to get a a little nervous and uh you know uh next guy up next guy up grounds out um but they don't you know they don't get the double play um so there's two outs i'm on deck and orlando cabrera walked and here i am getting my uh First major league at bat with a tying run on second base. And, and two outs. I'll never forget two outs. And Mike DeFelice was the catcher at the time, I believe, for the Diamondbacks. And when I walked up, he goes, what's up, Rook? And I said, "Uh, not much. And he goes, are you nervous? And I go, oh, a little bit. And he goes, well, get ready. You're about ready to be a lot more nervous. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, take a look out there. He's throwing 98 right now. And he oh, goes, Good it was, was the
1: little uh, clip on the, on the billboard or something that t- shows you how fast he's throwing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, it you're shows you. Me.
0: Yeah. And he, he looked in at me and, you know, it looked one of those, down on you. Yeah, it looked, it's one of those feelings to where you just.
1: For those of you who don't know, Randy Johnson's 6'11. Yeah,
0: he's almost seven foot. He's a giant. Yeah, he's huge. It looked like when he threw, he was reaching in our dugout to get a glass of water, It was crazy. <laughs> and um, he just, he. He was not human. It seemed like at times, and
1: he and started he was me an off angry with a looking pitcher. too. Yeah,
0: yeah. He was definitely intimidating. Um, he threw me a ninety-three mile an hour slider, my first pitch, and I didn't swing. It ended up being a ball, but I didn't swing, not because I knew it was a ball, but because I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> it started off at my kneecap and ended up in the dirt in the other batter's box. So, um, so take
1: me through the the the, the at bat. So first one's a slider. First one's a slider. It's Um, a ball, and you're thinking...
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw the first ball. I knew he threw the first pitch. I didn't see it, but, um, you know, the next pitch, he threw me a fastball for a strike on the inside corner that I also thought was going to hit me. Um,
1: And did you swing at it, or did you get out the heck of the way?
0: No, I didn't swing at it. It was a called strike. Um, My next pitch was...
1: it's that second pitch. Were you thinking, it's it's I'm 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 just going to take this because I'm a big leaguer now, and if I run away from this, I'm going to be you know laughed at.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't you know get out of the way. You know, I was like, but you it,
1: literally if, thought he if, was going to hit it. He yeah, I thought you. I thought
0: it was going to hit me. Yeah, <laughs> ended up tailing back over the oh inside gosh. corner of the plate for a strike, and, and and that was
1: because he had that sidearm delivery where that thing just looked like it's coming right at you.
0: Yeah, and you know he throws so much across his body that it just it it and it tails so much because he throws so hard. Um, Not to mention how tall he is, but how far his arm stretches out, so he's that much closer to you. And um, okay, so
1: push pause on this for just a second because I wanna I wanna get into your genius a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you knew something that made you stay. In the batter's box, not only in the batter's box, but at the plate, ready to mm-hmm. hit this ball, that looks like it's going to hit you. Mm-hmm. There is a psychology to that of genius, which, believe it or not, as crazy as most of us would run out of the way, a hitter knows that, okay, that's what it looks like for a lefty to throw to a lefty. A mm-hmm. little bit, right? Not right. Most people aren't throwing sidearms, so it's a little bit different. hmm But there's something in you that has to turn off the this is going to hit me mindset in that moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was a part of me that wouldn't have mind if he would have hit me. It would have hurt a lot, but hey, I would have gotten my base.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so one part of it is actually getting hit by a pitch is not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, it might sting a little bit, but off a
1: Hall of Famer like
0: Randy Johnson, you're getting a free base.
1: Okay. So so one of the, the geniuses of, of what you do as a hitter is you size up the fact that there are multiple ways to win. In other words, without even hitting it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, they say, you know, one of the old cliches in baseball is a walk's as good as a hit. You know, because you're getting on base, you know, and you didn't score an out. So.
1: so getting hit by Randy Johnson is about the worst way to get on base, but the best... A scenario for a young guy who's proven himself on a, a club,
0: right? Yeah, and you don't have to, you know, suffer the inevitable like so many have already suffered, and yeah. that's getting struck out.
1: So even at this young venture in in your major league career, you're expressing a genius most people would just run the the way out of. But you're basically saying, okay, if I get hit by Randy Johnson, I win. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that is what I'm talking about, folks. Most of us are are not going to think that way, but that actually translates to a lot of things in life, right? Um, let's say you're making a sale, um, or you're trying to make a sale. You have to learn the art of hearing someone say no. You have to learn to get hit with the fastball and realize that that might actually ultimately be a win. Because it may be that person who ultimately says yes down the road. Right. So losing isn't always what it looks like.
0: Yeah. You know, some, you know, it might hurt, but it might help you win in the long run.
1: Right. All right, so go to the third pitch.
0: Third pitch was a fastball on the outside corner that I swung at and fouled off. Um, and then... Another
1: 93 mile per hour?
0: No, that was a fastball. That was ninety-eight. That was ninety-eight. So,
1: and, and is that the kind of thing you literally close your eyes and you just swing? No, I mean, what happens? Did you see it?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, any pitcher that you face, you know, you you know, they always tell you to, you know, if if you've never faced a pitcher before and you're seeing him for the first time, to you know, take a pitch. That way, you can get his timing down and you know, see the ball out of his hand because just like pitching. Uh-huh. Hold on.
1: Here, you're gonna. We got to get this. Okay, yeah, just like
0: just like hitting, um, you know, everybody's got a different um, hitting style and hitting approach. That there's same thing for pitching. Everybody's different. You know, everybody's so you, got a different arm angle, a different release point. Um, you know, so it's all different. You got to be able to pick that up. And
1: so, so even the first pitch, to some extent, though you couldn't see it. There was some strategy there. You weren't going to swing because this is freaking Randy Johnson. You got to see some pitches before you can actually understand oh, yeah. what you're seeing. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I've never faced anything like that before, obviously, and um, you know, to go up there and swing at the first pitch would have been, you know, would have made me look like an idiot. So
1: that's I'll- that's incredible, though. Um, young hitter getting up against Randy Johnson. Most are going to just kind of go, "I'm up here. Wow, this is amazing." But there is something in you that still kicks into okay when you're first seeing a guy you got to see some pitches
0: mm-hmm Yeah it's just you know at, at the time it might not feel like it's it's going to benefit you but um, you know in the long run
1: it'll definitely help okay so people who are in sales people who are in um, any, realm of life that that requires you to go through the experience a few times before you get your sea legs as it were.
0: Yeah see a pitch
1: see a pitch fail. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. If it's a strike it's a strike big deal. maybe it won't be maybe it'll be a ball or you maybe it'll yeah. be a relationship you're building um, that doesn't necessarily bear fruit right away but hey you've got a good new friend um, you, you know if you got to make cold calls in your job, that's a big part of it. Um, maybe you know, some of this is actually when you feel like you're starting a new job for the first time and you don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and you feel like you're the, the you know, elephant in the room basically and you, you're nervous and all this stuff, chill out for a little bit. Just let some time pass. Don't say anything. Just listen. Take a few strikes. Yeah, take a <laughs> few pitches. Give yeah. yourself the time. Um, you know, we're only two pitches in here, three pitches now, and you fouled one off. So you've mm-hmm. made contact.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the fourth pitch, he threw me another slider, um, that I also thought was going to hit me and didn't <laughs> swing at. Um, I saw this one, um, but didn't swing at, took it, took it for a ball.
1: Now you saw it. That's insane. 98 mile per hour. I, I don't know how that happens, but now are you starting to go, wait a minute, I'm actually doing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've got i got a 2 2 count. Yeah. 2 2 count. And um, I ended up fouling um, seven pitches off. Right. After actually, that. it was uh, six pitches in a row, uh, in a row and uh, ground, or,
1: um, struck out my final pitch. So, with each fouling off, are you actually starting to believe you might hit Randy Johnson?
0: I was yes, I was definitely feeling more and more positive. Like um, I belong here.
1: And um, what did he get you with?
0: He got me with a ninety-four mile an hour slider. In the dirt? Uh, not in the dirt. Low that I swung at. Yeah. Inside or outside? Uh, it started off inside, but it ended up outside. So it
1: swung like a rope. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Oh my gosh! It was crazy. And, okay, let's now. So you're going back to the dugout. You're feeling a little bit deflated, a little bit. Yeah, I am. Because you're not even thinking about the fact that you're a rookie against Randy Johnson, who's in his prime.
0: No, I'm thinking I just struck out my first major league at bat.
1: And nobody's going to think that's much of a net bat at all. Yeah. However, everybody knows it's Randy Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So you get back to the dugout, and what, what happens?
0: They just, you know, everybody that was there came up to me and, you know, uh, a few of the guys gave me high fives. Frank Robinson shook my hand and said, hell of an at bat. Um, you know, they'll get easier from here. You know, and I said, I hope so, because if not, I'll be back in the minor league before you know it. Um, he started laughing, and, you know, he was an awesome manager. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to throw you in the fire, so to speak. And, you know, he told me that it would get easier. And I believed him and my next at bat was off Kurt Schilling, who's another Hall of Famer. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> so it might have gotten a little easier, but not much. Um,
1: was that the next day?
0: Yeah, that was the next day. Did I,
1: they let you start the next day?
0: No, I didn't start. That was in Montreal.
1: Another seventh inning situation? Yeah, like?
0: it was I was sitting pretty much the whole game and you know they said, Okay, you're hitting for the pitcher and
1: now I'm I'm guessing you got a hit.
0: No, I didn't get a hit. I okay. grounded out to the shortstop.
1: How many pitches in?
0: Um, I don't recall. I think it was, you know, four or five. Yeah,
1: but same approach. You didn't get right in there and try to make something happen too soon.
0: No, no. I mean, um, as a pinch hitter, you don't want to let too many strikes go by you because your opportunity is so limited. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you're a pinch hitter off the bench, you know, you're pretty much sitting there for the entire game. And as we all know, you know, major league games take a while and, um, you know, you can go to the cage and in the tunnel and hit and stuff off the tee and soft toss, but it's nothing can prepare you for getting up off the bench and going to face ninety five, ninety six. And as a pinch hitter, you're typically going to face either a closer um, or a you know relief pitcher who's throwing pretty good.
1: So you, high nineties is usually what you're facing at that point.
0: Every bit of it, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So, who was your first hit?
0: Jason Simatachi. Oh, yes, Jason. Yeah. And
1: it was in St. Louis? Yeah. yeah. So, just coincidentally, what was that, the third or fourth or fifth game that you it got into? Yeah,
0: it was the, um, uh, I think it was the fourth, third or fourth game, yeah. Wow. Yep.
1: Now, did you ever get to face Schilling again?
0: No. no. Never got to face him again. Who
1: no. was um, your trophy pitcher that you got a hit off of?
0: Um, Pedro Estacio. That pitch for the New York Mets. I um, We were playing in Montreal, and I believe we were down uh, four to two, and it was the seventh inning, and I hit a grand slam off them to <laughs> go up. So, yeah, and um, that was one of the few times that we had a lot of fans in the stadium, too, so it was pretty cool.
1: So yeah. so Montreal was typically pretty light on attendance.
0: It was, to say the least. I think Dollar Hot Dog Night was our biggest seller, you know. <laughs> we had the most fans on that night. But um yeah, that was really cool. You know, we ended up winning that game and you know, I felt like I had a lot to contribute there, so it was cool. I'll never forget that moment.
1: All right, so I'm gonna take you through a list of baseball players. I want you to give me a couple word um Description of whatever comes to your mind when I when I say their name.
0: Okay. Um,
1: Albert Pujols Unbelievable Unbelievable. You 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 said something about uh, uh, seeing him when you came up uh, to spring training for the first time
0: Yeah, um, you know, I got to meet him, you know Because uh, we shared Montreal shared uh, the facility in Jupiter with the Cardinals So, you know, I got to see him pretty much on a daily basis and uh, he was He was not only an unbelievable baseball player, but a very good, you know... uh, Good guy. Super person. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Adam Wainwright. Stud. 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 Any
0: experience with him? Hit a home run off him in AAA. (laughs) (laughs) Was
1: he down for a stint, or was he actually still in the system?
0: No, we came up through the minor leagues um, together. We didn't... We weren't on the same team, obviously, but we played in the same league and that was the Pacific Coast League.
1: Okay. So Triple so. A or Double A or?
0: It was Triple A. Uh-huh. Triple A. And so
1: give me the scenario there. What happened?
0: Oh, uh, we were playing um that was when I was playing Triple A for the Nationals, Washington Nationals and we were in New Orleans. That was our home field. And he threw me a um you know, high and outside fastball that I went with and put it in the Left field bleachers. Dang. Yeah, that feel good. Yeah, it feels good. It feels really good. I every time. Was I,
1: he? I mean, he was no, a prospect, right? So oh, he guys was their number. Nom- he was, was their number
0: up. one prospect. Yeah. Right.
1: So um, they. Said- I let him,
0: I let him know every time I see him. He remembers. <laughs> I did, I actually just saw him, and got to chit chat with him a little bit this uh, past spring training.
1: Same guy. Same great guy.
0: Oh, he's awesome. He's just a very you know just like. um Pujols, I mean, he's a very great person, yeah. great person, mm. good family man, um, good Christian guy, and just uh all-around good person.
1: Awesome. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero.
0: Vladimir Guerrero, out of this world. Really? Yeah, he's a freak in nature. He can do it all. He can. I saw him hit. A. I saw him hit a home run off of Randy Johnson that hit the dirt first. The pitch actually hit the dirt, and Vladdy hit it off off the dirt.
1: It bounced up.
0: It bounced before he hit it.
1: And he golf-swinged it out.
0: And he hit it out uh, oh. opposite field. He hit it over the right field wall.
1: In uh, Montreal? In Montreal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which is a huge stadium, by the way, if people don't
0: know. Yeah, it's it's not a hitter-friendly park.
1: No. No, no, it's almost like Old Bush Stadium in a way. Um, Yeah, it's it's, it's more of a dome, obviously, but it's worse. Um, My God. We
0: called it the Dungeon. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: Old first baseman for the Montreal Expos, Um, um, famous guy. Um, uh, Andres Galarraga. Andres Galarraga. Did you have any experience with him?
0: Yes. um, A leader. Really, leader, yeah,
1: yeah, and he was he was well into his um, you know uh, senior years, I guess, at that point. Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. I think but he probably. was he was always a leader in the clubhouse. Yes,
0: gigantic. I mean, mammoth calves. I've never seen bigger calves on an individual. I mean, he. It was just. It almost looked like he had an elephantitis of the calves. It was just crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, he was definitely a, a leader. Yeah. A leader.
1: Frank Robinson. I mean, come on. I mean, the the, the name. But w- what's just the word that comes to mind?
0: Oh, there's so many. Um, man. Awesome. Um, you know, just, man. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. You know, just... Uh, Inside and out. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was such a great teacher, you know, and, and um, he had been around the game for so long, you know, that he just made you feel so comfortable. He made it seem so much easier than it really was, you know, because he had been so successful, and, and it definitely came a lot easier to him, but he also made you feel like if he was in your corner that you could accomplish anything.
1: And he was in your corner.
0: Oh, absolutely. He was, um, you know, he's the reason I got called up. You know, he stuck by me. He liked me a lot, Um, you know. And in the game of baseball, when you play professionally, it's, you know, people, you know, mean well, um, but a lot of things they say aren't necessarily true. And he's one of the guys that are definitely true to his word.
1: So, hitting a baseball is always going to be important to you because it's not just what you do well, it's what you understand. Yeah. It, it's something that you see as a metaphor in life. It's something that, you know, when you see somebody in their sweet spot, you call it out, just like Frank would with you or anybody else. He was mentored, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Uh,
1: what are some things that, um, you want folks who are kind of exploring their genius zone. They're not a baseball player. They're just, you know, an everyday person. Maybe they, maybe they are um, wondering whether um, to continue to, to move from the corporate world into, a, a, you know, a, something like their own business. Or maybe it's uh, just even wanting to be a better dad or a better mom. Or, or maybe it's um, figuring out that that is a genius in itself. Like those different roles that we play in different areas of our life besides baseball what what are some things that you would say um, to make sure they're paying attention to so that they don't disregard that that is a part of their genius?
0: That you're gonna fail and um, more than once but it's going to make you that much better when you do succeed. Anything that you work hard at, um, you know I think if everything came easy to us, I don't think we'd appreciate things as much as we do. And to be able to um, work hard at something, know that you failed at it, and know that you stuck with it, and you're now successful at it, is is a huge accomplishment. So, don't give up. Don't give up. You work hard enough, you fail enough, you're gonna be better in the long run. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's a process of figuring out the sweet spot like it's it's a process of figuring out where it, it all comes together
0: Mm-hmm. yeah definitely
1: yeah so don't hate the process i guess really embrace um, it yeah embrace it mm-hmm. embrace it well uh matt thank you for doing this man you're thank awesome you for having me yeah i i, I feel like uh, you know i feel a little bit of celebrity you know you know whatever that feeling is when you're around people who do something really well you're just like oh it's so cool this is so cool (laughs) Um, but you know I've always felt like that but you've never treated it like that you know you have an experience of being a baseball player you don't see it as anything special Um, I appreciate you for for that because you just take that attitude but well um, I
0: appreciate you you know I had a hall of fame manager and Frank Robinson as a coach and I feel like I got one now in you as a coach, so I appreciate it.
1: Whoa, folks. Don't let the head get too (laughs) big. It won't. It won't. (laughs) I don't take that for granted. That's really amazing thing that you just said, but I also think um, different things in life um, need different things. Um, So, you know, different seasons of your life need different coaches.
0: I think everybody needs a coach, you know. I agree. Whether you're four years old, putting on, you know, a uniform for the first time or, you know, 75 years old, you know, everything. I think everybody needs a little help to become better.
1: Yeah. And and maybe sometimes we don't accurately see ourselves until somebody else sees something in us that we don't see. Absolutely. Um, You know, I mean, Frank saw something in you, you didn't see in yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. He definitely, there were a lot of times he believed in me, when there were times that I didn't
1: yeah yeah and um, I I think that's instructive too because one of the things that we do with our lives is inspire other people whether we know it or not Mm -hmm. so you going forward in your life inspired a ton I would assume of people in St. Louis especially Mm -hmm. to um, say you know what Matt a is a baseball player now I if I'm from St. Louis it doesn't matter I can do this too you know, I, I, if I work hard and I do the things that I'm going to um, be good at, then I will maybe one day make it to the big leagues.
0: Yes, you never know. Um, you, you just, you know, you, you enjoy something, you work hard at it, and, you know, there's a lot of things that are out of your control, but you try to do the best with the things that are.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and maybe not all of us are going to be in some Hall of Fame situation like Frank Robinson. But the truth is, we're in the Hall of Fame in someone's eyes.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Because
1: um, that's how I see you. That you—you wouldn't know that, but like, I'm hanging out with a guy who played Major League Baseball. This is amazing. Mm. Um, it to you is—it's just what you did.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just you know when you play as long as I did, um, you know, you just you're. To me, I was I was around the superstars, you know. I was I was playing against the superstars and stuff, you know. I was just uh, another guy just trying to make it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of us make um, that superstar the genius, and we think to ourselves, "I'll never be that." Yeah, and don't realize that someone has made us that genius. Right, and is thinking the same thing. So remember, in your genius zone, folks, Matt, thanks for being here. But in your genius zone, um, when you pursue who you are at what you do best, you will inspire other people. Agreed. And you can't necessarily just say it's not worth it because I'm only inspiring three people. Those three people matter. And it can't say, oh, it's only Matt because he's played in front of 40,000 people. Because the truth is, you know, that's that comes to a time where you're not playing in front of 40,000 40, people. But you know what? You're playing in front of 27 who are listening to every word you're saying. And now it's their turn to one day maybe play in front of 40,000 people. Right. And so you are playing in front of 40,000 people again when you invest in people who are gonna take your inspiration and make the most they can out of it.
0: Yes, I think it, it brings me so much joy to, it brings me more joy to see a kid that I'm coaching do well than it ever did when I did well for myself. It's just, it's so neat to be able to pass something on and see um, a young player succeed with the knowledge that you gave them.
1: Your legacy.
0: Yeah, so to speak. Is your genius. True.
1: So keep in mind, folks, that as you're doing what you're doing, if you're um, devaluing yourself, if you're saying, I don't think I should do this, I know I'm good at it, I know people say I'm good at it, I know that I um, have to go through the failures, but uh, who really does this affect? It affects a lot of people. You don't always see those results on the day-to-day scale, but I promise you, um, just like Any industry, baseball is just one of them. People are looking up to somebody and that's the person who's inspiring you, but that's not supposed to be the person you are. You're supposed to be your own person and you're supposed to be your own person going after your own skill set and knowing that that is the thing that's going to leave the mark on this world that you want to leave in this world. So don't slow down because you're not someone else. Just be yourself. Be the genius that you are. Do that really well. Let that person inspire you to be better and better. But that's all they are. They're not uh, an indication that you're failing. They're actually just a person out in front pulling you forward, pulling you forward into uh, what I'm calling your genius. So, thanks for joining me, Matt. I appreciate it. Big time. Thank you for having me.